0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 10 of the Gridiron Giants edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paylillo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Anthony Novello. And Novello, man, it just seems like the game on Sunday, it was just like a classic. I don't know. I feel like we've seen the story so many times before. The defense, they keep us in the game, and the offense does everything that they can to not win the game. Giants lose this game by 11 points, Dolphins 20, Giants 9, and yeah, kind of an ugly one on a Sunday afternoon in Miami.
1: Yeah, I mean, just like you said, it's basically been the story of our entire season, Defense trying their hardest to keep us in the game. Offense just completely failing the defense over and over again. Um, Just another one of the game reviews that we're just going to have to unfortunately get through and hopefully be optimistic about the game preview. Yeah, it's a gr- it's a grinded it out type of one
0: because it just like Sunday was one of those ones too where it's just like so frustrating as a fan to watch because you see so many good things sometimes, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And it's just like how can we put ourselves over the hump, man? Like if we were just like a competent team sometimes at some points, it's like obviously you're going to take advantage. Besides the point, we're going to start with the offensive side of things and we're going to kind of get into that. I mean the overall theme, if you ask me, sloppy on the offensive side. A lot of drops, missed assignments on blocks uh mike glennon was all right i mean look you're gonna start a backup quarterback in a national Football League. you can't expect him to go put up 30 points a game i mean the league can't even find 32 competent starters there's not going to be a 5 10 laying around as backups in the league right so you have to kind of like temper expectations a little bit and like honestly in the beginning of the game i thought glennon was all right i thought in the first half he was doable i thought his interception right through to darius slayton was awful i don't know what he was thinking i mean again you're mike glennon you kind of have to play within yourself you know what i mean you can't think that you're like someone who you're not I don't know why you tried to throw that ball I thought that was crazy but besides the point but he didn't really get a whole lot of help I know on uh, Saquon Barkley two brutal drops that I mean you're basically as it is like right now I mean Kenny God it was out at some points in this game I know he was coming like in back out with his rib injury so with Saquon I mean you're really one of the only, one of the only guys we got I mean you kind of have to be dependable and stuff like that can't have drops like that so yeah didn't really help glennon a ton i know we'll get a little more into it but just like overall i mean just sloppy on the offensive side of things
1: yeah you know once we brought up that mike glennon interception honestly the first thing that came to my mind was last week when we talked about you know mike glennon if you're in a bad situation just look for number 19 he did that but instead with darius Slayton for some reason and listen I, you know i'm I'm a fan of darius Slayton, but at the same time i would much rather kenny galladay be in that situation than uh, Darius Slayton but yeah just like you said I mean with our backup quarterback Mike Glennon, and I think I just think that like Saquon is like he's been in the league long enough now to know that like all right he's he's really the most talented player on our offense and he's basically the pinnacle of our offense once we get him the ball and like just to see like him not be able to perform with those two drops and just kind of like what he have? I think it was 11 carries for 55 yards. Yep, 11 carries, 55 yards. You know, that's a testament to the offensive line as well. But, like, still, just seeing Saquon kind of struggle was really, like, demoralizing. Now, did he look—he looked pretty good when he had the ball in his hands. Like, he looked like he was running fast. I saw him do, like, some sort of jump-spin move, which was pretty impressive, I guess. But um at the same time, I'm still disappointed in the way that, I guess, he handled the game. But um, I hope that he could pick it up definitely with this week he the Chargers for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely going to need him. I mean, nine targets he did get in the passing game that didn't lead any Giants player. So if you want to – like, he, he was involved at least. I know it doesn't really, he didn't really do a lot with the nine targets, but at least he was involved. You mentioned 11.55 is his final stat line, kind of a little skewed on his longest run of the day, which is in the third quarter and stuff like that. Which, yeah, if you ask me, that's where I was like, all right, Saquon, like, that looked pretty good. But I don't know, over, like, I'd love – To go back. I didn't do it yet, but kind of look at what the Giants average gain on first down ones. It again, you can't be behind the sticks every single possession when you have a guy like Mike Lennon at quarterback. It's just it puts your offense in an impossible situation. You don't have the firepower to overcome it. Even with Daniel Jones, you don't like Daniel, he's a good quarterback. Yeah, but when you're constantly in second and nine, third and eight, it's like we got to start gaining something on. First and take it down, it seems like every time it almost seemed too predictable in a sense that we're just going to run the ball on first down and we're going to get no push up front. So definitely something that maybe Freddie Kitchens has to look for. But again, you just make it so difficult as an offense to kind of sh- shoot yourself in the foot on the first down, on a first down play. So that is something I also definitely want fixed moving forward.
1: Yeah, no doubt. When you put when first and second down as an offense are meant to put you in the busi- the best position possible for the third down play that you want to run. And like as an offense, when you put yourself in a bad situation after even first down, like if it's if it's second and more than ten, that's automatically a loss in, in, on your first down. And then when you go from second and ten plus to then third and around ten, it's still a loss on second down too. And when you're when you're lose on first and second down, it makes it way harder to to win on third down. But um, one more thing that I wanted to point out was that I think Evan Ingram had two third down conversions in this game i want to say two it could be more i definitely watched two for sure but um i was happy to see that and you know it kind of reminded me of um back when he was you know getting some good plays back with eli maloney and daniel Jones when he was young and like it just reminded me of when he was able to make plays for us on third down and it was kind of good to see that although he did have five targets which i mean kind of was right in the middle of where um throughout our playmakers but like it was good to see that. I guess that was one pinnacle that I that I don't mind pointing out was um, Evan Ingram's five targets and with two third down conversions from him. Yeah, I
0: mentioned earlier that Kenny Gotti kind of went out with a little bit of a rib injury in the middle of this game. And yet Evan Ingram then was the next guy to kind of step up early and kind of take on a little bit more of the load in the passing game. And yeah, I remember even saying like during the game, I was like, wow, man. Like, you see some of this, game, like a game like this from Everdingham, and you're like, wow, like, you are going to miss him next year if you're the Giants fan if they don't end up bringing him back. He, he frustrates you sometimes, but again, it was it was, it was was a good performance out of Everdingham, and Everdingham should have had a walk in touchdown in this game that Mike Lennon missed him on, which I guess then we'll get into that kind of now. I mean, like I said, with all that taking place, like in the first half, and the Giants being sloppy, they had every single chance in this game to win this football game. I mean, early on in the second half, we'll get into a little bit with the defense. They kept them completely in the game. And what does the Giants' offense do? They muster up a nice drive coming out of the half, right? But, of course, it ends in a field goal because when else would a Giants' drive end in uh, seven points that gets into the red zone? It just won't happen. And then the next three drives, they end up punting. And the third one, like the third punt in that thing was one of the most disgusting, embarrassing sequences I've ever seen in a series. Mike Lennon got sacked like twice um, Mm twice. They took a delay, a game penalty. I mean, the only reason why they even got one first down on the drive was because on third and thirteen, Saquon did that jump spin and stuff like that. It's just, again, like moments like that. I'm just like, how? How did you guys practice all week? And then like that's what happens. Like that. That's where it was just like that's where it was mind boggling to me because your defense kept you in the game. All game to this point so far, they get you four punts right coming out of halftime, and that's how you kind of reward them and stuff like that. After that, the defense gives up a touchdown, which I don't blame them. They should have let them walk in for uh, with the wasted effort that happened on the offensive side of things. But yeah, that specific sequence was, like I said, one of the most um, mortifying
1: things I've watched this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the the underlying problem of the New York Giants is the red zone offense, because when you when you bring up some of those drives, right? The one that immediately comes to mind for me was the one directly after halftime. I think it started about with, like, 11 and a half minutes or whatever. We ran, like, six plays, and we got down to, like, the Dolphins' 10-yard line. And then we ended up with a field goal. And it looked promising because we started running some outside zone plays with Saquon. I think that's when he had his long run. Devontae Booker Mm -hmm. broke him for about 12 or 15. And then we just come away with a field goal. And, like, when you look at the game, obviously, if we scored three touchdowns Mm -hmm. to three field goals, it's 21 to 20 and we win the game. And like, it's just, it's so like, God, it's so disappointing to like, just have good drives like that. And like, look promising, look promising, look promising, and then just let it all go out and just take a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown. So I, you know, if we just have the red zone offense that we want to have, that we're able to just score touchdowns when we put ourselves in position to, then I think that we could have a successful weekend this week and for upcoming weeks to come. But like, the, the underlying thing is this. we got to get Kenny Galladay to the football, no doubt, because if we can get Kenny Galladay to the football, if he's healthy, I hope those ribs are okay, then, like, he can he can have just goal line targets where we just throw it up to him. And I brought this up earlier in the year also. Kyle Rudolph was once, once upon a time one of the best red zone targets with the Minnesota Vikings. So he, like, had all of his touchdowns with the Vikings in the red zone. Some crazy stat. I don't know. Maybe it was, like, one year, maybe his career. I'm not sure. But, like – you just got to get like some of those guys involved, give them chances. Like we need to just do some more efficient things when we get into the red zone. So we can finally score. I 100% agree. I think that in the
0: red zone at this point, how bad that they've been, it's just that like, it's a matter of let's just start getting it to our best guys. And at least if we're going to suck, we're going to suck trying to get it to our best guys. And I, listen, Chris Meyer, he caught that touchdown a couple weeks ago, but like, Again, do I really necessarily feel comfortable in the red zone, depending on Chris Meyer? I mean, it, the, guy, the guy's barely been here this year, you know what I mean? Like, if we're going to go down, can we please go down swinging instead of throwing a slant route on third and seven to Colin Johnson or to even Slayton, you know what I mean? I like something under the sticks and stuff like that. Like, if we're going to go down, can we just, like, I, I don't know, I'm hate. i I'm, I'm not a big fan of that either. I'm more of a, like an aggressive style type of guy, so I don't. I don't like when you go down like Without a fight, in a sense, is what it seems like the Giants are doing on the offensive <laughs> side of things. Another thing that we'll leave off on the offense before we go to the defense, the offensive line again, in the second half especially, it just seemed like, my, listen, Miami, they get creative when they want to send blitzes, but the Giants cannot pick out a blitz to save their life. They start they'd throw six or seven around the line of scrimmage, only send four, and somehow somebody would walk in on block. Definitely communication needs to pick up along that unit. For a unit that, yeah, you can say that they are inexperienced, in a sense, I think that maybe… That's maybe giving them a little, like, they've played together really now for the past five, six weeks. And, like, one of the biggest things on that offensive line is the continuity. So, yeah, they might not be great players in a sense, but they should be a unit now. They've had some games now where they've really been – they've played together. So you can't be taking steps back. you got to be taking steps forward. And, honestly, haven't seen a step forward from the offensive line yet. So definitely something that um we should, like, maybe – Hope to build on in the future. Ben Bredesen, left guard, who got hurt earlier in the year, actually played a little bit in this game. Him and Matt Skurris split some snaps. So maybe that could help down the stretch, but I'm not too sure. But something needs to be fixed, like we say, every single week.
1: Yeah, the offensive line, just like you said, it's got to be a unit. And, you know, I, I got to commend the Miami Dolphins and how they play defense because, like, just lining up with, like, six or seven guys um, right, on the, right on the line of scrimmage is, like, As an offensive line, obviously, it's intimidating. And for a quarterback, you don't know who's coming and who's dropping. And especially with the Dolphins, just the way that they run their defense, sometimes they bring every single person. Other times, they'll bring three and drop four off the line scrimmage. So while it is difficult, I was expecting at least to see, like, a little bit of a better performance from our offensive line. And, of course, they're young. But at least work as a unit, just like you said. I totally agree. But um, back to the defense, I just want to point out that the two guys who – I thought played well, at least because they had a sack. Quincy Rocher, Azizo Jolari. I thought they played pretty well. They both had uh, they both had one sack. Quincy Rocher had six tackles, Aziz had four. And it's 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 I'm happy to see that Azizo Jalari's like actually playing, you know, paying out. He actually broke the um the Giants rookie sack record, I believe, with six and a half. I think it was last week, to be honest. But um, I was happy to see that. And then Quincy Rocher is just you know, before this season, if you told me Quincy Rochet going to make the impact that he did i would have said i don't even know who that is but um i'm happy to see both these guys are making a good impact for the defense
0: yeah and really a chance like they didn't have they weren't a ton of chances on sunday because the way that the, uh, the dolphins like to run their offense you're going know, to be a lot of quick passing stuff like that too again the ball out quickly so not a whole like a lot, lot of opportunity so a good job for both of them uh i'll build on that and kind of say somebody else who i was pretty impressed with this week we mentioned that with Noah Dory Jackson. A lot some people are gonna have to step up specifically. Aaron Robinson. I thought Aaron Robinson again, a guy who played every snap this week. I thought he did a fine job. I thought that the Giants didn't really, they didn't really want to put him as much on Jalen Waddle as I thought maybe they were gonna. I, I don't think they wanted to put that on his plate, which I think is justifiable. Like you know what I mean? He hasn't played a whole ton this year, but for his limited action, I thought he was great. I thought Julian Love also played pretty good. Specifically, one of the best plays I seen it just rings out in my head like one of the third down plays that gets a deflection that gets the Giants the ball back in that third quarter and then that ultimately led to the punt but like that's a play right there that if you actually should have completely swung the game with the Giants getting the ball back down I think they were only down seven at that point getting it back but um Yeah. Those are just two guys that I kind of want to highlight on the defense and really the defense in a whole. I thought they played pretty good. I thought down in the red zone, a couple miscommunications lead to touchdowns. And I really thought that Jalen Waddle honestly really kind of broke the defense in a sense. It seemed like they didn't have a true answer for Waddle and not like Waddle had this crazy big day. I mean, he was nine catches for 90 yards, but you look at the two touchdowns they gave up. It's both in relation to two people going down on Waddle when nobody's above and they just had to like kind of switch some things up. I like Patrick Graham's adjustment, but it almost seemed like Waddle kind of gave them too many problems in that
1: sense. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Waddle is definitely a weapon, no doubt about that. But at the same time, like Patrick Graham, like we we expect better. I don't want to even say better things because honestly, the the Giants defense played their heart out against the dolphins. They did play really tough. And ultimately it just came down because going into the fourth quarter, the score was 10 to six. And like, how how can you be mad at a defense for holding a team through three quarters to 10 points? You can't be. And then just, they did let up 10 points in the fourth quarter, which does suck. But at the same time, it's like that could also be because of some field position things that happened in the fourth quarter. Our offense is trying to get the ball out. Like if they really played their heart out and I'm, I'm not mad at the Giants' defense, but like at the same time, just like you said, the Jalen Waddle just kind of started to shred us apart. So I, honestly, I'm not mad at the Giants' defense. I I just cannot stop focusing on how bad this offense is. But, um, yeah, that's really all I got to say about the defense. Yeah, I mean,
0: I don't think it's in any way, shape, or form right to criticize the defense that much this game. Like I said, I think I'm nitpicking a little bit. I thought it was interesting maybe that uh, Logan Ryan, it looked like, was playing Jalen Waddle. underneath a little bit which is definitely a little bit of a twist but again Patrick Graham has shown that he's not afraid to do a couple of different things Bradbury really kind of didn't didn't play Waddle that much he played him a couple snaps now Bradbury's more focused on Devontae Parker which is definitely a better matchup for him listen I thought that, like I said on a, on a short week and stuff like that like to go without a Doy Jackson I think they adjusted fine and I really they kept the Giants in the game for longer than they should have been and really the offense like they let him down. There's, there's nothing else to it. I mean, that was completely, like I said, you get you get four stops out of halftime and four punts and no scores out of that. It's demoralizing on the defense. And the defense should have given up 90 points in the sec- in the fourth quarter after what the offense did to them and kind of left them out to dry. So hopefully these two units can start really to build off each other. Clearly the defense is, is trying to uh, carry the load of the offense and the offense is completely dropping it. So I don't know when it's going to get fixed, but you're not going to win football games. Like I said, if you if your defense is going to continue to ball out, but your offense is going to take advantage of it. So I'm I'm just hoping that we change up the script and something like that, but who know who knows
1: if we will this year. And just to, just a butt in quick, I just wanted to bring up the fact that, um, Ellerson Smith, one of the guys we drafted this year, actually played 21 plays, which was 30% of snaps. So I was pretty happy to see that he was able to get involved this week and kind of like get, get his, um, his first game in with, with the giants and like, I hope that he can continue to play. I didn't really see him too much within the game, but um, I hope that he can and improve and um, play an impact for us one day.
0: Yeah, because at this point of the season, I mean, at 4-8, and eight, right, I don't want to – like I said, the NFC playoff picture is a mess, but don't, don't start being like, oh, the Giants are only a game and a half out of the spot. Listen, you watch the Giants, not a playoff team, right? It's as simple as that. Don't fall falsify your hopes here. So – you gotta kind of start to build, in a sense, and gain some momentum for the ne- for next season. See what you have and see what you don't. So Ellison Smith, again, is a great example of that. What do we have in him? Let's see if maybe he can give us some good run next year and stuff like that. And what he can succeed on, let's try to push his development forward. That's why I'm a big fan too of getting Aaron Robinson out there. I think Aaron Robinson could be a key piece for us moving forward and stuff like that. Kind of brings us into the state of the team right now, Navello. And we mentioned Mike Glennon having to be out there because of Daniel Jones. And they mentioned that Daniel Jones' injury may be a bit more serious than people are leading on. I know they said that they he suffered it in that game against the Eagles. But then there's rumors coming out now that maybe it was actually in the Tampa Bay game. And they didn't think it was that bad. So then he played in the Eagles game. Definitely in a year that you don't necessarily love to see. like you, We haven't seen... Definitely Joe judges are regressed in a sense. If you ask me, I thought like, like, especially my hopes on him, at least after last year, I was like, all right, we found our guy, Joe judge. And then this year I'm like, all right, judge, like you haven't been great. I know you make it like even this past week, wasting a timeout in the first quarter and stuff like that. But then for like something again, to come out like this now, that kind of just seems like mismanaged and stuff like that. I got to put that on Joe judge's plate. And, um, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, you, you don't want, like, Daniel Jones going to be a franchise quarterback and stuff like that. Or at least you've got to treat him like your franchise quarterback. You definitely don't want to put him in a situation where uh, he's not put
1: to succeed. So that's definitely something I, was, I wasn't too thrilled about hearing. Yeah, I mean, def- you're definitely correct. But um, one thing that I definitely thought was interesting was the when, the when they used the term structural damage to talk about Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones' neck injury. And, like, to me that sounds a little scary. I don't know about you, but you know, I I hope that he's gonna be all right. I hope that he can continue to play for us. I hope that it's nothing serious. But um, yeah, just like you said, I kind of I kind of agree with you on the fact that it's kind of on Joe Judge's plate. At first, there were reports that it was that an injury happened in Tampa Bay, and then it was um it was aggravated against the Eagles. But then I believe I saw something where Joe Judge said no, nothing happened against Tampa Bay. Um, it was just strictly happened with the Eagles. And I kind of want to know the underlying truth about what really happened and like. To know that, like, we don't really know that as a, as a fan base is a little – it is a little demoralizing and, like, kind of you, – you are right. It definitely goes on the plate of Joe Judge. And,
0: again, for us to – like, Daniel Jones, like, down the stretch, this was going to be so critical for him to kind of prove that he could be the franchise quarterback again because it just – what I was afraid about going into this season, right, is that necessarily that you'd have something where you can't make a firm decision on Daniel Jones, and then you kind of have to ride out maybe a season next year where, like, you get the ups and downs. It's You know what I mean? Like, you don't want these wasted—you can't just waste seasons in the NFL and stuff like that. And this year, I hate to say it, it almost seems like a wasted year in Jones' development with Jason Garrett and all that stuff that happened earlier in the year. Now, even with Kitchens, I mean, like I said, just play calling in general, all the injuries that he had to deal with and stuff like that with his skill players in the offensive line and now himself getting injured down the stretch look this is the third year now that daniel jones is injured sometimes the biggest ability is availability so when you can't rely on your quarterback which is the most important position out there to be on the field Listen, and i'm not saying that inj- injuries happen i understand but at the quarterback position daniel jones is a little bit more of a runner too. might put himself in more situations to get hit and i don't know like it it just what I'm trying to get at is just it's just annoying in a sense that we can't now see Daniel Jones down the stretch and really allow himself to further prove he could be the franchise quarterback or really prove that we should move on for him. It just seems like we could potentially go into the offseason not sure about it. And if you
1: ask me, that's a position you really don't want to be in at all. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I honestly agree with you totally with the fact that like the for the rest of the season this was kinda of like the rest of his evaluation. And like as as you could say, I guess. But at the same time, like, I think that if we have Daniel Jones for this Miami Dolphins game, like, hopefully, like, he can make some better decisions than Mike Lennon. We can come away with the W. You know, I don't see why not. And I don't see why we couldn't keep fighting for a playoff spot if Daniel Jones was still in uh, and being able to play for us. But at the same time, because of this neck injury, you know, I'd much rather him sit out. But just like you said, like, he is a runner. And, like, sometimes, like, also the offensive line has, like, has got to take some of the blame, too, depending on, like, how some, some of the injuries happen. I saw the play that they said the 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 neck injury may or may not have happened against the Buccaneers, and it looked like he was getting sacked by two Buccaneers defenders. And, like, to see that, obviously, it's disappointing as well. But, like, just like I said, like, it could be the offensive line also. But you're right, it, to- it totally was the evaluation time for Daniel Jones and, like, it's unfortunate that that we, we are not going to have a definite answer probably b-
0: by the end of this year it, it's beyond frustrating if you ask me it's just and like honestly it's not it's kind of out of our control in the sense like you know what i mean nobody can really control there's not really a lot of people that we can blame for it it's an injury you know it happens but just like why do we have to get another bad break man it never seems like the giants can get like a real good break sometimes and stuff like that so hopefully they can figure out that quarterback position. I know we're, we're obviously going to get into this obviously as the season winds down, and really give it like an off season preview and stuff. and what we want to do at certain positions, I'm sure that we'll have things and to talk about, but yeah, again, it's just like now with this, it's just, you're caught completely in between and stuff like that. One other thing I want to mention about this Giants team right now, Modelo, I heard a stat on the broadcast, the on Sunday, and I honestly couldn't believe it that the Giants are a running That's back or a Giants receiver had not scored a touchdown since week seven in October. We are currently in the middle of December. We're going to play the Chargers on December 12th. That is absolutely absurd. I know there's a bye week technically mixed in there, but you've went four straight games without a receiver or running back, or excuse me, I counted wrong five straight games of a running back or receiver not scoring a touchdown you have saquon barkley on your team who you invested the second overall pick in. you have kenny galladay who you invested 18 million dollars in this past off season. just each year you have sterling Shepard again who you pay 10 million dollars a year now i know he's hurt but still he's still on the roster you're still paying him a little bit you just invested in Kadarius tony who they first round pick this past year and we scored we can't score a touchdown in five games that's absurd I know it's not completely all on them, but five games, yeah, I'm putting it on that. Those two wide receiver and running back rooms to fix something. That That is one of the most – I wonder what the longest streak is in the NFL, in that. Mm-hmm. but that that is discussed. I know, obviously, it's probably longer because, like, you know what I mean? But still,
1: that is absurd, but that, that has to get fixed. I was just thinking, like, what is the longest streak in the NFL for no wide receiver running back to score a touchdown? And I cannot imagine it being much longer than this, to be honest, because this is a long – time without a running back or wide receiver scoring touchdown and obviously definitely put it on i'm putting it on the offense as a whole to be honest i'm not even putting it on the wide receiver or the running back room like specifically i'm putting it on the entire offense of unit as a whole coaching players it, throw the training staff in there too because they can't keep these guys on the field also but like it's just that that is mind-boggling i cannot even believe that that's a stat I also saw a stat that Jonathan Taylor has the same amount of touchdowns as the entire Giants offense. That is absolutely mind-boggling as well. Jonathan Taylor is an absolute stud. And you know what? It's, it's disappointing because, like, I personally believe that Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor, talent-wise, are not so far off from each other. But I got, I, like, it's just so hard to, like, try and convince anybody that that's true because Jonathan Taylor has as many touchdowns as the entire offense this entire year. And it's so it's so unfortunate to see that because like we're just not reaching our full potential as an offense. Period. That's it. Full potential. I don't even
0: think we're reaching
1: a percent of our full potential. Yeah. Or at least I hope,
0: man. Again, next season in the off season, I think the Giants. They're going to really have to think about whoever they bring in as this offensive coordinator. If you ask me, it should be somebody completely different from the line of thinking that they've had in the building the last couple of years. And I don't know how that's going to link with Joe judge, but again, Joe judge, it's not like Joe judge has an offensive background. Really Joe judge is primarily a special teams coach with, even when he was with Bama and now when he was with new England. Yes. I know he coached the wide receivers in new England, stuff like that. So if you had to skew aside, he would be probably offensive. I think Joe judge too, was a quarterback at Mississippi state. So, Right, he's, But he, he's never been a play caller in the NFL. I don't even think he's been a play caller in college when it comes to offensive. He's not really an offensive mind. If you want to be a good head coach, you know what one of the best things leaders do? They delegate. You have to go let somebody come in and lead your offense and be innovative in a sense. And I'm not asking the giants to score 35 points every single game. They don't need to, but the giants need to be more efficient on that side of the ball. Clearly what they've done the past couple of years has just not worked with kind of their archaic thinking. And we just need to modernize our offense a little bit more. And it makes no sense why we don't, because we have the modern players and stuff like that. Saquon Barkley is the perfect back that you want in 2021 because he can do everything. Kadarius Tony again is another receiver that is just like, he's perfect for this era of football that we live in. Kenny Galladay too. Evan Ingram, again, the prototypical tight end that you would ask for right now in the league. So they just they they have to be more creative in a sense of play to your player's strength. These players are all good, but it's not a coincidence sometimes that they like players are coming to the Giants and they're not getting better and they're doing what like coaching takes a player so much farther there and putting a player in like a player's skill is good, but as a coach, you have to put him in a very good position to succeed to see him utilize those skills and like ultimately be able to him to the best of his ability so I'm putting a lot of this on the coaching staff I'm not even going to throw a lot of our players under the bus in a sense of disappointing season because a lot of it again comes from the inability for coaches to put them in
1: position to succeed yeah it's actually really interesting that you said that I just kind of came to the realization that we have like like our roster our offensive roster is like a really good 2021 like offense like we have the playmakers to be able to run like special plays and like be innovative and stuff but then our coaching staff and our offensive playbook is like 2012, 2010. Like it's just, it's just kind of disappointing to see all this like, this potential just kind of be like, like let out and like not being used in a way. But honestly, like you have here, like what we need to see for the rest of the season. And like honestly, in my opinion, I just use the players to their strengths. That we need. That's what we need to see for the rest of the season. Like I just kind of want to see Evan Ingram, like, like maybe go up and get a ball. Just like we saw against the Raiders. I wanna see Kenny Galladay go up and get a ball. I wanna see Kadarius Toney running routes like he knows how to do. I wanna see some sort of reverse similar to their like the 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 motion and then the toss like the Rams do, motions and the handoffs, the jet sweeps. I just need to see like I wanna just use our offensive players' strengths to our like ability. Like Saquon is literally the perfect back, just like you said. He can run the ball. We can pound the rock at times, and then we could throw the ball. To save one, minus those two drops against the Dolphins. But still, like I, I believe in our offense to the to the max if we are able to use these players correctly, and we have the playmakers to be able to do things. We just, for some reason, we're just not using them. And I, I really like how you said that. How, like our our playmakers are 2021 playmakers because they really are. We're just not being able to show it right now. Yeah, and
0: I don't even necessarily need to see the results. Like, I don't need to see Saquon Barkley go for nine catches and 100 yards and two touchdowns, like, in the air, through the air, right? N- seeing nine targets out of Saquon Barkley last week, like, that's enough for me to be like, all right, good. At least we figured out maybe Saquon Barkley and you're going to use him in the passing game. Now, would I like maybe a couple more plays scripted up for him in the passing game instead of, like, d- like checkdowns and dump-offs? Yeah, but I understand what a running back has to do in the passing game, especially with a bad offensive line, you know what I mean? Saquon Barkley has to delay his release a bunch of times, has to go chip and end or something like that. So I don't necessarily need to see results. I just need to see the effort being made and the attempt being made. And that would just make me feel a lot better going into 2022. And, yes, I know some of these coaches aren't going to be here in 2022, but some of them definitely are. They're not going to gut the whole staff. So I need to see some progress that at least makes us – put us at ease where we're going into 2022 and we feel confident that these players are in the coaches' hands. But with that, Novello, we're going to kind of bring it on to our Week 14 preview, playing the Los Angeles Chargers. And for me, if you ask me, it's going to be the first time that Justin Herbert plays the Giants, and you're just going to be kind of left wondering, like, what could have been? Because Justin Herbert, I've mentioned this before, could have came out and probably would have been the Giants pick in 2019. They were very high on him coming out of Oregon, but he ends up going back for a senior season, then goes into the 2020 NFL draft and goes still sixth overall, actually. Funny that, uh, that that's the way it worked out to the Chargers. And he's been unbelievable for them. Probably, if you ask me, been the best quarterback from that draft class. And, uh, yeah so he'll be on full display this week kind of um leaving us wondering so that's kind of a kind of a little bittersweet in a sense but I think the Giants um yeah I think the Giants kind of have their hands full with him and potentially stopping their high-powered offense
1: yeah I think two big points that that I saw recently was that uh Keenan Allen and I think Mike Williams are also both on the COVID list Mm -hmm. and I you know that's obviously I hope they're all right and everything but at the same time like as a Giants fan, like, you're pretty happy to see that those, those two guys are out because those two guys are playmakers. I was actually just watching their game against the the um the Bengals this past week, and they were just making plays. They even called Keenan Allen Mr. Third Down. The announcer said it to him. He is a huge third-down asset to them. He's just literally Mr. Reliable. And to know that he's not going to be out there is a, a big sigh for Giants fans. Mike Williams is just dangerous. That's I just said Mike Williams is dangerous in my notes because – he just, like, they throw it up to him and he just makes plays. But knowing that those two guys are out, I think those, that should definitely help us. I know uh, we're going to be dealing with some injuries as well and uh, some missing key pieces. But um, hopefully, with those two guys out, we'll have a little bit of an easier time locking up this offense than Justin Herbert.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's still – I know Keenan Allen, he tested – like, he went on the COVID list early in the week. So, technically, he might still have a chance. I think Williams just went on more recently, so he might be in a little bit more trouble getting back. But still – I mean, all signs pointing right now, you know what I mean? We're not doctors here. We're not going to – all signs are pointing right now towards them potentially not going. So, again, that would be a big boost for the Giants, secondary specifically, ha- not having to game plan around those two guys. You mentioned our injuries. Uh, Dory Jackson hasn't really practiced this week. He's probably not going to be able to go again, which is a shame. On the offensive side of things, you'd hope, again, that either one of Kadarius Tony or Sterling Shepard can go. They've both been limited in practice this week. Uh, And The biggest news, I guess, is that it was looking like in the beginning of the week that Mike Lennon, he did go into concussion protocol that he wasn't going to be able to clear it in time. It looks now like Lennon will be cleared and will be starting at quarterback. Uh, If not, it would have been Jake Fromm, which... Listen, I I mean, it, it would have been funny to see Jake Fromm out there. You know what I mean? It would have been a little different. But, like, I think Glennon definitely gives them a better shot to win than Jake Fromm. As much as I'd rather see Jake Fromm out yeah. there. I mean, if if we're trying to win a football game, Mike Glennon, I think, has a better chance. That's not a knock completely on Jake Fromm. It's just that, I mean, the guy's only been here a week now. Like, expecting him to learn the playbook. Not saying that this playbook is all... Sophisticated and stuff like that because, as you've seen, it's one of the most ba- like, but still, it's an NFL offense, you know what I mean? Uh, definitely tough on him, as especially as a young QB, maybe not as much experience with different schemes and stuff like that to walk in and learn the playbook. Really unfair, if you ask me, for him than to go throw him out this week. So, definitely, I think Lennon is the play as much as you might not want to admit it in a sense. The Giants have a better chance of winning this week with Mike Lennon on the field.
1: Um, any word on Daniel Jones? Like, is, it, is he definitely out or is he questionable? yeah j- j- he's not he's not going this week yeah all right uh, that's that's all right so yeah i guess mike clinton would definitely be the better option like you said if jake Fromm came out i'd just kind of chuckle and be like all right let's see what this guy does but um yeah at the same time i did see a report i kind of saw i actually watched the interview Sterling shepard said he's feeling quote pretty good so um hopefully he gets to be out there and um i know we're dealing with some injury but like i just hope we can get some guys some guys the football like i Again, I just want to see one target to John Ross. I can't can't even stop bringing that up enough. I just want to see one shot to John Ross, just like we did against the Saints, which if if anybody forgot, we won that game because John Ross had a huge touchdown in that game. But, yeah, so I hope those guys can be all right. And I wish Daniel Jones was playing, but Mike Lennon's probably going to be our guy. And one thing that I want to point out is just, like, that game against the Bengals, I was just kind of watching the Chargers, like – like struggle, like in the secondary. And like, I hope that our playmakers can get out there and like get the football and make plays and stuff. But I was just watching them struggle like constantly against Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase was open on that deep ball. And then he ended up pretty much just handing it to the Chargers uh, corner, Mike Davis. But at the same time, I hope our our guys can be explosive and do what hopefully they can do best. And that's score touchdowns. But um, I also want to see Saquon Barkley just pound the rock on this Chargers front, who have struggled in
0: the past yeah the Chargers defense hasn't been great this you know Brandon Staley does have more defensive background first year head coach then they've been good at times but yeah specifically on the ground a lot of teams have had success running all over them so I mean you think that this is a good opportunity maybe for the Giants offense to really get going and get Saquon Barkley going early and often in this one with their defense the way it is but yeah the Chargers like I said coming off that win last week in Cincinnati, they also turned the ball over a couple times I know Austin Eckler put the ball on the ground twice so yeah. If it's there for the taking, you know what I mean. The Giants' defense—I mean, how much more can you ask from them? But uh, I think the Giants obviously do match up pretty well in a sense with the with the Chargers. I mean, obviously, no Keenan Allen would help, and no Mike Williams, but I definitely think they might have a difficult time, if anything, maybe defending Austin Eckler in the passing game. You know what I mean? He might give them a little bit of trouble. But on the offensive side of things, you know, what I mean, as good as the Giants' defense can play this week, you can't ask them to completely stop this, like shut out this Chargers offense. I mean, they're a good offense, obviously led by a really good quarterback. So the offense is going to need to do something. I'm not saying they're going to go match score for score with the Chargers because the defense is going to get, our defense is going to get stops, but it's a matter of um, how many points can this offense put up. But I definitely don't feel great in the sense knowing that, watching the Giants offense the past couple of weeks and then knowing that we're going against now a pretty good offense not saying that the Dolphins offense wasn't bad the Dolphins offense is competent though but now we're moving on to an offense that's more towards the top 10 in the league where our defense might be able to get the out the kind of offense kind
1: of match it yeah this is an explosive offense and I you said that Dory Jackson's not playing correct uh he didn't practice like Thursday
0: so i if you ask me, I think that, like, if he was limited in, fr- like, Friday, you know what I mean, Who kn- Like I think it would be, like, kind of too close to call.
1: Because that's interesting. Because having a fast corner against Justin Herbert would be huge because this guy swings the rock with ease. He they, he just has an explosive arm. And when he has those explosive playmakers out there, it can get a little dangerous. But, um again, that Dory Jackson would definitely be able to help us out with some of those plays downfield. But I hope James Redbury can hold up and we can kind of, like, honestly lock up this this Chargers offense because Justin Herbert really he's at the he's at the head of that offense and he he leads them wherever they're going to go so hopefully we can get after him because you know their offensive line isn't the best either so I honestly hope that Leonard Williams and, and those boys up front Quincy Roche as he's can can get after and try to kind of get after Justin Herbert because if we can rush for and then just let everybody play back and kind of stop those deep balls that Justin Herbert loves to throw I don't see why not we can't win this game or at least have our defense shut them out
0: yeah I'm not even gonna like be asking for as much as that. I mean the thing that I have right here, the last thing that I've wrote just show me some heart man. show me that this team oh won't God. completely go quit and go like that would, it would be again, you can kind of learn about what type of head coach. Joe Judge is down the stretch in these type of games you know what I mean I'd love to believe that Joe Judge will have this team out firing the last five weeks down the stretch but if it kind of looks like the team has quit on Joe Judge a little bit then you definitely have a huge question mark at head coach these are enough this is an opportunity these last five weeks to play for a job on this team come 2022 hour or for other people who know that they're not going to be back really showcase your own abilities and stuff like that but show at least that you can be like a dependable member of a football team and stuff like that. Like for Evan Ingram, for example, I think Evan Ingram probably knows he's probably not coming back this year, but still Evan Ingram's auditioning for a bunch of other teams right now. Show again to your skills that you could play into what the Giants want you to do and stuff like that. And maybe, you know what I mean? It helps both of us in that sense. But uh, Novell, anything you want to leave off with kind of before we wrap this up?
1: Um, I'm just going to say that Ellerson Smith is going to get his first sack this weekend. And I want to also add in that Xavier McKinney's gonna get an interception. And I'm predicting a twenty-one to nineteen game. Giants come away with a win off of a not successful two-point conversion from the Chargers. That was really specific, but uh yeah, all hell in New York Giants. That's really
0: all I got. Hey. hey, the the Chargers like to be real aggressive too on fourth downs and something like that. So who knows, maybe that, maybe them going for too early in the game kind of blew up on them. And then late in the game, they got to go for it again. And that would, that would, that would fall right into your predictions hands. But yeah, I think that's another thing that I'm going to leave off with real quick before uh, I wrap this up kind of, yeah, you got an aggressive young head coach going against um, Joe judge. Who's proven that really, he doesn't like to be too, too aggressive. So we'll see how those two styles that are very different play out this weekend, but that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the Ball underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.